Please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend today. Today we'll be covering the case of the disgruntled clothing designer. With that said, on with the show. On Friday, August 24th, 2012, at approximately 0800 hours, 41-year-old Stephen Ercolino, I think that's right, a salesman who lived with his girlfriend in Hoboken, New Jersey, went to the train station to take the train to New York to New York. After a quick train wait, he made a brief stop at a cart to get a cup of coffee. He then went to work in the Empire State Building. It was then he met up with 58-year-old Jeffrey T. Johnson, a former clothing designer who had been laid off had then emerged from hiding behind a van, pointed a 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun, pointed it at, at Stephen's head and fired one round. He, Stephen fell to the ground Jeffrey stood over him and fired at him four more times, killing him. A co-worker of Stevens said she witnessed Jeffrey walk up to him and pull a gun out of his jacket. Apparently the trio worked together at one time. After the shooting, Jeffrey concealed the handgun in the briefcase he was carrying while pedestrians in the vicinity of the site of the shooting screamed and panicked. A construction worker followed him on West 33rd Street and alerted pol police officers who were stated in front of the Empire State Building's 33rd Street entrance. When confronted by the two officers, Johnson raised his weapon but did not fire. The officers fired a total of 16 rounds, killing Johnson and injuring nine bystanders, none of whom suffered life-threatening wounds. Three of the bystanders were directly hit by police gunfire, while the rest of the injuries were caused by fragments of ricocheting bullets or by debris from other objects hit by police. Johnson's handgun, which held eight rounds, still held two rounds remaining when he was shot. And extra ammunition was found inside his briefcase. A witness said people at the scene were shouting, get down, get down, and that the gunfire lasted about 15 seconds. The victims, five women and four men, raging in age, from 20 to 43 were hospitalized at Bellevue Hospital Center and New York Presbyterian Hospital West Well I mean uh, excuse me Well Cornell Medical Center 
by Friday evening, six of the nine were treated and released from the hospitals. Eight victims were from New York City, and one woman was visiting from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, let's take a short break right here. Welcome back. Jeffrey T. Johnson was a 58-year-old Manhattan resident who was laid off from his job at a woman's apparel designer at Hazan Imports at 10 East 33rd Street about a year prior to the shootings due to a downsizing of employees. He held his victim responsible for his resultant financial problems Police, uh, police uh, sources say that he recently found out that he was being evicted from his apartment, which may have precipitated the shootings. Johnson was born in Japan in 1953 to an American father and Japanese mother, and he moved to the United States when he was 10 months old, where he grew up in Gainesville, Georgia. He had worked at the company for six years and lived alone in a walk-up apartment on Manhattan's Upper East Side at the time of the attack. His building's superintendent and neighbors described him as quiet and a polite man who was seen every morning wearing a suit, greeting his neighbors and getting takeout from a near nearby McDonald's then usually remaining in his apartment for the rest of the day. I'll never think the same about McDonald's ever again. <laughs> he had no known criminal record or history of psychiatric disorders and the handgun used in the shooting was legally purchased in Sarasota, Florida in 1991 but he did not have a license to carry a handgun in New York City. He served in the United States Coast Guard from 1973 to 1977 and was honorably discharged with the rank of Petty Officer Second Class. Jeffrey attended Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida from 1978 to 1980 and owned a t-shirt design company entitled St. Jolly's Art. He was also involved with a community of birdwatching photographers who were interested in hawks in Central Park. His snapshots regularly appeared on blogs tracking birds in the area. Police identified the co-worker victim as 41-year-old Stephen Ercolino, a salesman who lived with his girlfriend. He was a 1992 graduate of the State University of New York at, I'm going to slaughter this name, Ono, Ono, Onota? Stephen's brother, Paul, 
said that Stephen never mentioned having any problems with a co-worker and described him along with others that knew him as a gregarious, outgoing family man. Stephen and Jeffrey had filed harassment complaints against each other and Jeffrey had reportedly threatened to kill Stephen before. There were disputes between the two due to Stephen not promoting Johnson's t-shirt line. One incident was reported to the police that happened inside an elevator when Johnson threw his elbow at Stephen, who responded by grabbing Johnson's throat and threatening him. Must be a New York thing. Kidding, kidding. In another incident in April 2011, Johnson reported, reportedly told Stephen, I'm going to kill you while on the elevator. Despite Jeffrey being laid off in 2011, he visited the company on a regular basis afterwards and reportedly had confrontations with Stephen each time. At a news conference shortly after the shootings, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg and Police Commissioner Ray Kelly said it appeared that police might have accidentally shot civilians during the incident. The day following the shooting, Kelly confirmed that all the bystanders that had been wounded as a result of police gunfire. The New York Police Department released a brief surveillance video of the shootout between Jeffrey and the police. The footage shows Jeffrey wearing a suit, holding a briefcase, and raising his handgun at the officers, who then responded with gunfire. Jeffrey is shown being struck by the police's bullets, dropping his briefcase and falling to the ground on his back. People sitting on a bench and walking nearby are shown immediately fleeing the scene. A second video was caught by an Australian tourist from street level where officers are seen with weapons pointed at Jeffrey lying on his back just after he was shot. The camera then pans to the nearby streets where bystanders were struck and to pedestrians trying to hide behind buildings during the, during the ensuring chaos. This case is one of tragedy. No amount of legislation or foresight could have prevented this. New York has some of the strictest gun control laws in the nation. My thoughts? Well, if there are more people armed, perhaps Stephen might be alive. If people in the right state of mind were armed, they could have stopped the perpetrator before all those people got hit by all those bullet fragments. Or perhaps if police 
were more alert. They could have noticed the bulge in Jeffrey's jackets. Or if they were still doing stop and frisk at the time. I'm not sure. Uh, I think they were still doing it. Then there was the seemingly spray and play by the police. That's just bad training. I believe their training may have gotten better after this incident, but still. Just remember everyone, be aware of your surroundings. Never tune yourself out. When you do, when you do, you do make yourself more vulnerable to those that may want to harm you. Before we end this episode, I'd like to speak to you about liberty. Liberty is important, more important than equality. When you have liberty, equality automatically comes with it in time. In America, we have both. Even though those rioting and bullying, bullying others say otherwise. Of all the nations on the, on the planet, America was the first to abolish slavery. While there is some in America that are racist, there is no systemic racism in America. I should know, I'm Asian. I've experienced no systemic racism. Even in the rural areas of America that I've personally been to, I've experienced no systemic racism. We've even elected a black president, Barack Obama. If we were as racist as those rioting say we are, we wouldn't have elected him. I'm not speaking anything political. I'm just speaking about what I see. Just facts. It scares me to see that so many states, including my very own Hawaii, has taken our rights away just because of a virus. The Constitution isn't suspended because a pandemic broke out. If you're scared, just stay home. Don't infringe on everyone else's rights. Freedom is a fragile thing. Remember that when most governments take it away, most of the times they don't give it back. History bears it out. China took their people's freedoms away. They never gave it back. North Korea too. The former Soviet Union too. While they got some of their freedoms back, they still live in a rather freedomless state. Anyhow, with that said, this brings this episode to an end. 
Thank you for listening and subscribing to my podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and tell a friend today. Please rate and review this podcast if you like it. It'll help people find our podcast more easily. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're now on Amazon Music as well. If you have any comments or suggestions for cases, please feel free to email info at darkersidepodcast.com. I'm on Twitter as darkersidepod, and on my official home on the internet, clouthub.com. I'm there as Breaker. Look for the verified account. Mahalo, and see you next time on The Darker Side.